This is Damian Lillard, and you're listening to The Briefcase with Casey Holdall. Greetings, Blizzard fans, and welcome to The Briefcase, episode 36 of The Briefcase. I am your host, Casey Holdall, and we're continuing our exit interview editions of The Briefcase today with Trailblazers General Manager Joe Cronin, who discussed a wide range of topics during his exit interviews with media, many of them pertaining to how the team will try to put a better roster around Damian Lillard this summer. We'll hear from Joe Cronin about roster construction, about Damian Lillard, about Shaden Sharp and Anthony Simons, and Chauncey Billups, and we'll talk a little bit about the NBA playing games and some changes to the collective bargaining agreement on this edition of The Briefcase. But before we get to Joe Cronin's comments during his exit interviews, which I, I thought that Joe and Chauncey and everyone else, but particularly Joe and Chauncey, I thought were especially honest in their comments at exit interviews, which I think people really appreciate. I know that I appreciate as someone who obviously works for the team, covers the team. It's nice when guys will at least shoot you straight to some extent when they're talking about the future of the team. I think that goes a long way with the fan base, and I think it's a smart decision on both of their parts. But before we get to that, let's go ahead and look at what's happening in the NBA as it goes on, even without the Portland Trailblazers. So in play in tournament news, the NBA held the 7 versus 8 matchup on Tuesday, with the 8-seed Hawks going into Miami to beat the 7-seed Heat 116-105, while the 7-seed Lakers had to rally to beat the 8-seed Timberwolves playing without Rudy Gobert and Jaden McDaniels in a 108-105 overtime victory. The Heat will now face the winner of the 9 versus 10 matchup between the Bulls and the Raptors, while the Timberwolves will get the winner of the 9-seed Pelicans versus the 10-seed Thunder. My only real takeaways from the first playing games were that the Hawks looked better than expected. Trey Young is the exact kind of player who would use rumors about his future with the team as motivation. While this Lakers team that ESPN insists on hyping at every chance they get is nowhere close to the championship contender that they've been billed to be by the national media. Sure, they do have a chance to win a championship like every team that's in the playoffs has a chance to win a championship, and it was only one play-in game, but I saw nothing in that game that would lead me to believe the Lakers are about to go on some playoff run, a prospect that nearly every single national sports show has devoted a segment to within the last week. And if they're to do that, the Lakers, the 7th seed, will have to beat the Grizzlies, the 2 seed, while the Hawks, the 7th seed, will have to beat the Celtics, the 2 seed, in their matchup. Wednesday night, the Pelicans face the Thunder, also the Raptors face the Bulls, and then Friday night, the winner of Pelicans-Thunder face the Timberwolves to decide who is the last team to get into the postseason, while the winner of the Raptors-Bulls will face the Heat to decide who is the last team to get into the postseason in the East, and after that, the official playoffs begin on Saturday. Looks like a great slate, a lot of great matchups in that first round, definitely worth checking out, plenty of great games on national TV throughout the next couple weeks in these first round matchups. Moving on from this season to future seasons, the NBA and the Players Union came to an agreement on a new CBA last week. I believe it still has to be ratified by the players, though that's usually just a formality. While no people other than those who negotiated the contract know what's all in there just yet, Shams Charnia is reporting that one of the changes is that starting in the 23-24 season, which is this season coming up by the way, teams will be able to begin talks and negotiations with their own free agents one day after the final game of the NBA Finals in June, which is potentially weeks earlier than currently allowed. I would assume that teams still have to wait until after the moratorium in July in order to sign those free agents, though again, no one really knows for sure at this point since a relatively small number of people have actually seen, let alone read the news document, but being able to enter in negotiations with your own free agents before anyone else is able to do so is a good thing for teams trying to retain their players. Of course, a lot of people would tell you that those kind of negotiations were already taking place, even if it were not technically permissible, but it's still good to codify those changes. 
And how does this affect the Trailblazers? Well, resigning Jeremy Grant is one of Joe Cronin's top priorities this summer, so having first crack at him well before other teams might try to lure him away is undoubtedly a good thing. And it's also good for teams to know before the draft how likely their players are to resign, as in if a team has an idea that a player might not resign, at least if he's able to do that before the draft, perhaps they can address losing that player through the draft, or perhaps it will affect the way that they approach trades with other teams during the draft if they know that they have a player locked in as a free agent or if they have a feeling that a player might leave in free agency. So just the order of operations there in terms of how things function when you're putting together a roster, it makes a whole lot of sense, if nothing else, to at least know if the current players who were on your team are going to come back as free agents. Knowing that earlier rather than later allows teams to have a much better picture of what their team is going to look like as they enter into the roster construction phase throughout the offseason. Well, since we're talking roster construction, after hearing Damian Lillard's comments and exit interviews in the most recent briefcase, let's go ahead and hear from Trailblazers General Manager Joe Cronin. Cronin, who just completed his second season in the role, discusses Dame's comments about not wanting to wait around for a young draft pick to be ready to play if Anthony Simons and Shaden Sharp make sense together, trying to remain patient while also trying to take a big swing, Jeremy Grant's impending free agency, and how he feels like he put Chauncey Billups in a tough situation this season. Let's go ahead and hear from Joe and then consider some of his comments. 22-23 is over. Time to turn the page for us. We're excited about this offseason. Ton of work to do and ready to get started. So let's get to some questions. Damien made it pretty clear that uh, he's not interested in adding young talent. He wants veteran talent. Is it, I mean, not a lot, but is the goal to move that pick for a big fish? The goal is to get better as soon as possible. So you know, the pick itself, we'll see where it lands. We'll see what its value is. You know, you have to go through that whole process, kind of like we did last year with the pick. But timeline-wise, like, it's time for us to start moving quicker to, towards having a roster that's ready to compete at the highest level. So if that means using that pick or other picks in deals, you know, where it's getting aggressive to go get stuff done, yeah, we're we're open-minded to that. What is exactly your timeline with Dave? Is there a number of years you think exists where you still going to be in his prime? I wouldn't put anything past him. I think this year we saw, you know, at age 32, his best season. So I think his game is going to age beautifully. And I wouldn't say that Dame's timeline, as far as like how long he's going to be at a super high level, impacts our decisions. It's more just to maximize that timeline for as long as possible. Joe, a year ago this time you named six players. I think it was Dame, Nurk. And Justice, Josh, Nas. It was like it was like six guys that you named that you said at that time were the core that you guys were building around. Do you have a identified a list of guys on the team that are part of the core that you're building around going forward? Well, I think core. It depends on how we define it. You know, it's you can get your high end core, your rotation core, and you get into some of those things. So that list is similar. Obviously, there's some names that aren't here anymore. But I mean, there's a group of guys that are under contract that we want to build with that we feel are capable to help take us to the next step and a lot of the guys you named are in that and now you know as we continue to build some other names get added guys like Shaden and Anthony and names like that Joe going into next season what's what's an acceptable outcome coming out of the summer well improvement so you know I think this year's roster and even early on preseason you know I, I think we knew that yes we liked some of the additions we made I think we knew we weren't there yet as far as we weren't talented enough we weren't balanced enough we didn't have enough depth we were very young I think if we can get out of this offseason with some key additions at some key positions 
throughout our rotation, if we can walk out of the, say we leave August and we're full, you know, or we feel like we have nine, 10 guys that can really play, I think we're doing a pretty good job. Joe, do you think it makes uh, sense to have Shea and uh, Anthony on the roster next year? You know, it's something we have to look at. You know, it's a, I look at it as, as it's a great problem to have. You know, I wish we had a multitude of talent at every position and we had to, you know, figure out how to maximize each of those guys. So, you know, their games are different, but at the same time, they play similar positions. You know, you got both are more two than one or three. You know, so I think you got to figure that out and you, you wonder how does, how does the fit work? How do the minutes work? Are there other holes that you need to fill instead? So, you know, it's an exercise we're going to have to go through and, you know, evaluate. But on an individual level, I love both those guys. I think they're both mega talented and I'm thrilled we have them. Even though Shaden's super talented and I asked Chauncey this a little bit this morning, is he even remotely close to ready to starting for a team that wants to make noise in the playoffs? Or is he still too young? There's still too many mistakes he makes. And regardless of the fancy dunks and all that stuff, he's just not there yet. Yeah, I mean, this would be a big summer for him. You know, he needs to get out there and play and get these repetitions and experience all these different scenarios. And with Shaden, like his learning curve has been so quick or he's picked things up so quickly, I wouldn't put it past him to be ready very soon, you know, and, and ready can mean a lot of different things, but ready as far as like impacting winning, playing legitimate defense, making great decisions on the offensive end, being able to, you know, carry the load to some extent. So with him, it's just he picks things up so, so quickly that I don't know if we even can put an accurate timeline on him. If we would have tried to do that when we drafted him, we would have already been way off. Like I did not foresee him picking things up this quickly, this easily. You said at the trade deadline that, you know, as eager as you guys are to, to put this in motion, that it's your job to be the voice of reason, uh, not make a mistake, not get the wrong guy, not overpay. But then you are going to have a really good draft pick in a very good draft. How do you guard against making a move that makes you better, but then caps your ceiling from getting to that, you know, that maximum potential with this game timeline? And how do you kind of walk that that line? Yeah, it's a great example. And that's the biggest challenge, right? It's in the draft where can you get equal value or close to equal value? And how do you know, you know, as you analyze all these draft picks and these players in the draft, you know, it's so hard as just the nature of it to be able to predict a 19-year-old's future. But to assess value to that, it's probably the most complicated thing we do. But, you know, that's where you just try to get out and work and really, you know, assess, A, know the draft backwards and have a great feel for these guys, but B, know what the market is. Do a deep, deep dive as to what you can get in return for that, and then you just have to weigh those two things. And sometimes, you know, if you're in a hurry, if you're trying to speed things up, you make mistakes, you know, you trade a really good player, but it's something that we have to live with sometimes too. Like if we're committed to winning now, we have to be able to live with what the future holds for some player that we traded. What if this summer that that deal, that single deal, doesn't present itself? Are you comfortable being, like you've you've said before, we're willing to wait it out for that terrific opportunity. Are you still willing to wait it out, and is is Dane? We have to be willing to wait it out because we can't make a big mistake like that. You know, had we done that last year with Shaden, if we would have just passed on him or traded that pick away for a marginal return, it would have been a massive mistake. So we have to live with our decision, you know, and we'll be together on it and we'll all talk it through and we'll all evaluate the draft and we'll know what trades are possibilities and we'll make a decision. And at that point, we have to live with it. Before the season, you told me that you knew that this could be seen as reckless to run two different timelines. Mm -hmm. Looking at this season and looking at what you have this summer, how do you 
get away from the two timelines, even if it involves moving one of Shaden or Ann, because you're still going to have one of those guys who's significantly younger than Dave. What do you need to do to get away from the recklessness of that and be the competitive team? I think one of the things that we saw that you know cost us to lose a lot of ball games was our lack of depth, and I think a lot of that depth was young guys who weren't ready to contribute. To me, that was the reckless part where, okay, we have seven or eight guys who are a big part of our rotation, but as soon as things started to go awry, if one or two guys got hurt, all of a sudden we're starting to count on players who weren't ready to help us yet. So I think moving forward, we're not going to be in, okay, let's try to find a player mode or let's try to develop a player you know, on the current roster. We're going to be more in, okay, this is win-now mode where the rotation is going to be much more veteran-laden than it was this year. And I think that'll help merge some of that, although I know it doesn't solve all of those concerns. If you you know go back to last summer, knowing everything you know now about how this season plays out, plays out, is there anything you would have done differently as far as how you put this roster together and how you went into this coming season or this current season? Yeah, I mean, always. like It's something I think that I do a lot that I'm sure many of my counterparts do a lot of second guess our decisions. And, you know, if I had this to do over again, or I wish I would have done that, or I wish we would have looked at this or considered this more. So I think we constantly do that. And I, I think that's healthy and it makes us, makes us do our job better next time. But this year, you know, I would, there's, there's so many things that went well. Like I was trying to help us build as much talent as possible, you know? And I think, we took huge strides towards that. Just the additions of Jeremy and Shaden, you know, I mean, that doubled our talent level right there, just those two guys. And if we can keep doing that and keep getting those right and keep, you know, I feel like we had a really successful trade deadline. I know it wasn't a big splash, but, you know, those deals in a vacuum, I think those are going to be really important moves for us moving forward. You know, a guy like Matisse, he's he's got a chance to be really helpful to this roster. You know, the, the Gary Payton trade where it was Kevin Knox and five second-round picks and then a big trade exception, you know, hopefully we can turn that into something pretty valuable to help this team. So I think there's always little things we'll beat ourselves up on, and sometimes there's big things that you just have to live with and, you know, adjust for. But, you know, I'm, I'm new to this job. You know, I'm young in this position, and I'm learning and trying to learn as quickly as possible and trying to make as few mistakes as possible as well. Joe, one of the things you talked about is being more veteran-laden in the rotation, but you've got a bunch of young guys on two-way deals. You've got Baji and Butler, and you've got Nate Williams on a non-guarantee. Does the opportunity for a G League team, is there anything new on that as far as having the opportunity in-house to be able to control that going into the summer? Yeah. It's something we've been talking about a lot lately. It's a, a goal of ours is to get a team, hopefully in the near future. The developmental piece that you touched on, it's, it's critical. It's something that would definitely be beneficial to many of our young guys that we have now and or moving forward. So um, it's something we for sure have our eyes on. Joe, do you feel good about bringing Grant back? Is all that looking good to you now? Do you feel comfortable yeah, you know, it can always go in a million different directions, but I think foundationally we feel really solid where Trailblazers organization loves Jeremy Grant, really hopes that he's a big part of our future. And I think the feeling's mutual. It seems like Jeremy's happy here. He loves his teammates. He loves his coach. He lo- loves his city. So usually when those things align, hopefully you can get a deal. At this time last year, it was pretty well known that the Blazers, co- the Blazers coveted Grant. Dame and Grant were boys. Grant wanted to be here. Josh Harden, Nurkic in the Twitter and all that kind of stuff. So that seemed like it was going to be a given. I asked Dame earlier, are there players like that out there that he knows of now that he feels would want to come here like Grant? He said yes, wouldn't name them, of course. Do you feel like there's similar guys out there that you can identify that 
could fit the mold of a grant with their needle movers and they want to come in. Yeah, it's... We have our, our target group, you know, the guys that we really like that we think would be terrific fits here, many of whom we pursued last trade deadline and just weren't able to get anything done. But obviously we'll circle back on that group and hopefully add to it. You know, you want to, we want that list as broad as possible. But I think we all, and it's funny, we just agree on players quite a bit. But when I say we, it's like myself, Dame Chauncey, when we're looking at players, like we, I mean, we all, this whole room knows what we need and what our deficiencies are. So we have our, our favorites. You just, the ability to, to get them, it's not easy, you know. How many guys are on the favorites list? The, the super duper favorites? Yeah. You know, a handful. You know, it's a handful and probably three of the five, they don't even entertain your call a whole lot. Joe, what did you how, think of the job Chauncey's done, you know, dealing with this end of the season, but also before he kind of came yeah. into this end of the yeah, I think he's done a great job. Yeah, I don't think I dealt him a great hand this season. I think, like I said, we made some good additions and our, our starting lineup started to get pretty solid, but I don't think I did him any favors by giving him the lack of depth that they would have given them any sustainability once we had, like I said, some of these injuries. So it's just hard. Like, I mean, we talk about it all the time. We got to get better defensively. Like we we're confident we can score the ball defensively. We struggled again this year. And I mean, we just didn't have the personnel that was going to get that done. So I just want to give him the benefit of the doubt there. Like that's on me. I've got to get more players. We've got to get a deeper, more balanced bench, you know, established. Meanwhile, he's making an impact. Like coaching so many different things it's not just x's and o's on the court it's what are you doing you know how are you building our culture how are we staffing the organization like chauncey's so active with all of that stuff and such a such an asset to us you know in so many different ways that you know and you hear the way our staff talks about him or you hear the way his players talk about him so building that culture is a big part of what we're doing and building that mentality on the court is another thing with that you know, it wasn't going to happen overnight. Like we've got a lot of work to do still. We've got to get tougher. We've got to get smarter. We need to get more defensive minded. And, you know, we're building towards that. And, you know, the last year for him, two years for him, you know, he's learning and we're all learning and I'm learning how to get the players around him that will allow him to thrive. And he's learning what to do and what not to do. And I think we're really encouraged by the progress we're making. Joe, on the coaching side of things, did you anticipate adding uh, to the assistants, to the, to the bench, yeah, getting, getting more veteran presence yeah. on the bench because the team is young, but also so is the coaching staff. Sure. It's something we've talked about. We're always looking for ways to not just improve our process, but to add resources for our players to utilize and maximize. And, you know, something that touches the players almost more than anything is the coaching staff. So it's something you always look at and, you know, really dive into how can we improve that and how can we give these players the the best opportunities and the best mentorship and the best basketball minds possible. Damien has expressed nothing but loyalties. He's even been going out doing more loyalty statements. But do you at all operate under any type of trepidation whatsoever that that could change if progress isn't made to build a team around him? No, I don't look at it that way just because that's out of our control. Like when that, if that time ever comes, it comes like for me, like our key thing is just keep communicating. If we're on the same page, if we know we're both working towards the same goal, I don't see why it would ever deviate. And that's just how I look at that. Like, you know, we all want the same thing. So whether we're able to go out and accomplish exactly what we're trying to do, we'll see. But until that happens, I don't think there's any reason to even concern ourselves with it. You know, I think he knows where we stand, how we feel about him. And we know where he stands and how he feels about us. And now it's like, okay, let's just go out and get it done. Like this summer, because you said last year that your plan 
ran through the summer of 2023, which is coming up. So you don't feel like you have to do something this year to keep him appeased. If you don't, you might change. We have to tar- start taping, taking big steps forward to keep us all appeased. You know, we don't want to go through this anymore. Like, it's time for us to start winning basketball games. And we want to put that pressure on ourselves, and we want to go into the offseason with that mentality and mindset. So not just for him, but for all of us. We don't want to have another year like this year. All right, there you go. Some very interesting comments from Joe Cronin. I thought it was interesting that Joe talked a lot about needing to get better quicker. It seems very clear that the plan is still very much to put a team around Dame and that doing that not only means resigning Grant, but getting a quote-unquote needle mover. We've got to stop using that parlance, by the way. We've got to figure out something else. Dame said during his interview that he knows players who want to come to Portland, but that knowing that and actually being able to get those players are two very different things. Joe absolutely knows that is a job to find and acquire those players. And I think it's important to consider that the things that Dame told the media at exit interviews are no different than the things that he talks to Joe Cronin about all the time when they have their conversations in Tualatin, which they do fairly frequently. Also, one of my biggest takeaways from exit interviews was how honest both Joe Cronin and Chauncey Billups were about the careers of Anthony Simons and Shaden Sharp going forward. Considering that both are young, are very good, and play the same position, the notion seems to be that for the team to maximize their assets, one of those players might need to be used in order to balance the roster. Cronin said it's a good problem to have, and he's right about that, but it would also seem to indicate that he knows that he and his staff have some tough decisions to make if they want to put together a better roster going into next season. I absolutely do not envy Joe and his staff one bit about that. Very possible nothing changes there, but the fact that they spoke about it, again, so honestly when asked about it, and got quite a few questions about it too, by the way, would lead me to believe that it's something they'd have at least considered at this point, which, again, you would expect they would have considered it at this point. And finally, in the broader view, Joe spoke at the last deadline about having to stay patient rather than making a move out of desperation, and I assume he still feels the same way, but he did seem to indicate at some point the Blazers will have to take a chance and live with the results on a big trade. And again, Joe's exactly right. I would say that one of the biggest complaints from fans over the last decade is the Trailblazers have never really made that all-in trade. And I think there's some validity to that complaint, but if you want to make an all-in trade, you have to be willing to live with the repercussions of that trade. Sometimes you'd make that trade and you win a championship, say when the Raptors traded for Kawhi Leonard, and sometimes you trade Jermaine O'Neal for Dale Davis, something that Blazer fans still bring up to this day. Obviously, one of those options is much better than the other, and both are extreme cases, but it illustrates the idea that if you go all in, you have to be willing to accept that you might go bust. That's just the nature of those kind of trades. If you're going to make a swing, you hope it's going to result in something great, but sometimes you make that swing, it doesn't, and then you end up maybe worse off than you were before, but that's part and parcel of making one of those big moves. If you want to win big, sometimes, particularly for a team like Portland, you're probably going to have to make some pretty big risks, and those risks obviously do come with negative externalities. Bad things can happen. You can put your team back. But if you want a legitimate chance to win a championship, particularly when you're a small market team, you have to do some things that in the future might be hard to stomach, but in the present made sense because the goal was to put yourself in the best possible situation to win a championship. Part of that too is that you don't necessarily know when you're going to have that opportunity. Teams can wait and wait and wait, and I think Portland has done that in the past, maybe waiting for the right time to make that big move. But sometimes you just have to make that big move and hope that the time ends up presenting itself, because otherwise you might not ever get that chance. 
Well, that is going to do it for this edition of The Briefcase. They're closing the offices all next week, and as someone who usually has to work regardless, I'm going to take the opportunity to enjoy some downtime like my fellow Trailblazer employees, but I also might put together an episode or two since I actually enjoyed doing The Briefcase and The Blazer's Balcony. So now would be a great time to subscribe and not miss any new unscheduled episodes if you haven't subscribed already. Well, thank you again for joining me on The Briefcase. I am Casey Holdall. We'll talk again soon. Go Blazers.